You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is Chuvah Supaiskim, a special Shabbos Hagodol. I call it the Erev Erev uh, Shabbos Hagodol, uh, Joshua, in a way. Uh, I want to thank Rabbi Avram Herman, um, who is uh, such an important uh, presence here in our community in Elizabeth and, and beyond, uh, for agreeing really almost last minute uh, to come and, and present, uh, as I would say, as we say, um, the night of so much of the living word, so much is so important about understanding Seepertsi of his time and Halil. Uh, Rabbi Herman, thanks again for, for being part of uh, this forum. Uh, and we hope that uh, through this recording that we'll be able to spread uh, the ideas of Torah, yours specifically, and more um, uh, throughout uh, the world, actually, as we know. So thank you again, Rabbi. And I'm going to mute myself now as well. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. I thank Rabbi Kavalevich for having this forum and for allowing me to be able to share some uh, Torah thoughts related to the Haggadah, Sipur and the Mitzvah of Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, Mitzvah of recounting, telling over the story of the exodus of Jews from Egypt, which is a foundation of our whole religion of our emunah, of our faith in the Rabbanu Shlolo. As the Ramban in the end of Parshas Bo points out that what we learn from Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is really the foundation of everything that we believe in in our connection with the Rabbanu Shlolo and how the Rabbanu Shlolo runs his world. And so Sipa Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is a mitzvah that ha- carries with it tremendous relevance and importance. Uh, that relevance and importance is highlighted right away in the beginning of the, of the Haggadah, where um, after the Manishtana, we give a, a, a quick answer to the question in the paragraph of Avadim Hayinu, and which ends with the words, Kol anyone that's marba, anyone that uh, does more, anybody, the more that one does, in being misaper, telling over Yitzias Mitzrayim in the story of the Exodus of Jews from Egypt, Tarezam Meshubach is praiseworthy. That's a very nice statement, but it's backed up by the very next paragraph of an actual implementation of this idea with the story of the five greatest Tanoim uh, um, in Shas, in, the, in our Talmudic literature. Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Loza ben Azayah, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Tarvon. These are names of the greatest giants of Torah that lived in the world. And uh, they were gathered in Nebarak and Bahoy Musap and Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim called Osa Halayla. They didn't just stop in speaking about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim after the Afikoman. They went on the whole night to talk about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So as much as one already knows, and as much as one has not heard the story of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, still there's an obligation. Every okay, I, I, I just want to ask everyone, sorry, Rabbi, for interrupting. I just want to ask in the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim the whole night, despite um, their knowing uh, the whole story in depth, 
But nonetheless, going over it and deepening one's appreciation, one's understanding of it, broadening it, uh, finding new uh, points to consider is something that is praiseworthy and is um, fulfilling that mitzvah of Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Now, right after this story, the, the, the um, Haggadah brings down a Mishnah. Mishnah, which starts off with Amar Rebbe Elozah ben Azayah HaRei Anika ben Shibn Shana. That I am, this, you know, this is probably everybody just talks about that introductory line to this Mishnah. Uh, Rebbe Elozah ben Azayah says, I am like a 70-year-old person. Um, what does that mean he's like? Everybody knows uh, that famous line that he was a young man and he was appointed to be the Nasi, the prince over the Jewish people. And um, you can't have someone that looks too young as a leader like that. So God made him look a little bit older. But nonetheless, the more important part of this Mishnah is the argument that went on between uh, the rabbis as to whether there's an obligation to um, fulfill the mitzvah of Zohar, of remembering Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, Balelos, in the evenings, at night. Um, Every day we say Shema twice, and Shema has three paragraphs. The last paragraph has to do with tzitzis. And at the end of that last paragraph, there's a verse of I am God who took you out of Egypt. The reason why we uh, mention that paragraph is for that last verse, which reminds us of the fact that God took us out of Egypt. When we say that verse, we're supposed to have in mind that we're fulfilling a Torah obligation of remembering Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And there was a question about whether we should only do that during the day or also at night. And this was an ongoing debate between the rabbis. And finally, Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah comes along and says that I never merited to win this argument until I heard a drusha from Ben Zoma, uh, who extrapolated from the Pasuk, that says, Can you remember the day that you went out of Mitzrayim? All the days of your life. And he went ahead and, Darshan, he went ahead and uh, ride from this, that you may, the days of your life, that refers to Yomim, the days. That you need to remember Yitzhiya Mitzrayim during the day. Call all is a more inclusive word, to teach us the nights. So now, this is a mitzvah. This mishnah is really not limited to the night of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. It has nothing to do with the Seder. This has only to do with the mitzvah that we have every day to recall the fact that God took us out of Mitzrayim when we have this mitzvah in the morning and the night. So the question is, what is it doing here in the Haggadah? It doesn't seem to be teaching us anything relative to the midst of Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So let's hold on to that question. From there, we go on to the four sons. And the fact that the Torah comes along and speaks about four sons and the obligation of speaking to the four sons. Right after that, the Haggadah brings down a Mechilta. Mechilta is a halachic teaching that um, goes back to the Tanoim, and this drasha that it brings down, at least according to the Rambam, 
is the basis for the mitzvah of retelling the story of Egypt. And there it tells us, and this is really just one of the verses that over, uh, of that parsha. It's a it's taken from Satan uh, Shemos, and right before that it talks about Remember this day, and then a few verses later it says, that you should tell your children on that day, saying because of this. What does that mean, because of this? Fulfill this mitzvah of zohar, of remembering when you have matzah maror in front of you. And when do you have matzah maror in front of you? That's going to be the night of this of this Seder. So here is the source for the mitzvah of Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Retelling the mitzvah, retelling the story of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So we have two interesting um, teachings. Earlier, we had a Mishnah that talked about the mitzvah of Zohar every day, remembering every day. And now we have a teaching of the mitzvah of Sipur retelling the story of Egypt uh, at the night of the Seder. Why does the Haggadah bring down both of these stories, and why does it bring it down in the place where it does? So according to the great Rav Chaim Brist, he points out that what is the, the essential difference between the mitzvah of Zohar that we do every day, of remembering Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim every day, versus Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, versus recounting the story of Egypt? And he says there are three essential differences. So these differences are very important because this is how you're going to fulfill the mitzvah at the night of the Seder of Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. The first, he says, is that Sipur requires questions and answers. It's amazing the understanding that the rabbis had of how to uh, have the greatest influence on a person, on a person's learning. And that comes through questions and answers. It's right away at the beginning of the Seder, the rabbis instituted things that arouse questions. The idea of Karpas, dipping in the vegetable into the salt water. Why do we do that in the beginning of the Seder? We're not even up to the meal yet. We're doing that to evoke interest, to evoke questions. And so and we do a lot of things just to arouse questions. We have the Manishtana that is um, asking a lot of questions. And we want our children, we want adults, we want everybody to ask a lot of questions. We want to stimulate conversation. Why? Because that's the most effective way of learning. And when it comes to mitzvah sipur yitzchak retelling the story of Egypt, we want to have it experienced in the way that will make the greatest impression upon everybody who's participating in the seder. So we want there to be questions and answers. That's why there's just so much written about the Haggadah because it's all about questions and answers. And we're looking for questions and we're looking for answers because we're constantly looking for more insights and more lessons that could deepen in our appreciation for all that it needs to be learned from yitzchak Mitzrayim. So that's the first difference. Zecher is just remembering, mentioning that there was a Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and that God took us out of Mitzrayim. Sipur requires a question and answer being challenged both intellectually and emotionally to understand it on a deeper level through the question and answer period experience. And that's why we have the Manishtana in the beginning 
even if a person is very wise, they need to ask those questions. And then we have the answer that follows Avodim Hayin. The second difference is that when it comes to Sipa Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, we have to recall the entire chain of events that happened. And that's why we have the idea of that we begin at our ignoble beginnings, whether that's when we were just slaves in Egypt or whether or we go back to Terach, the father of Avraham, reminding us that Avraham came from idolatrous parents and Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov and the whole chain of events that led to Yaakov, Yaakov finally coming down to Mitzrayim. We have to go through that whole experience because only by going through that experience from starting from the, 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 the time when we were oppressed and suffering and so far removed from God and then realizing how far we've come to be so close to God, to be freed by God and then to be taken to Harsinai to receive the Torah. Only by seeing that whole picture can one fulfill the myth of Sipa Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim as opposed to Zecher, just, okay, God took us out from Egypt. We don't have to go through the details. And so that's the second requirement of Sipu Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. The third requirement is the fact that we do mitzvos on Pesach night, and we need to know why we're doing it. And that's why we have that part of Rabbi Gamliel Omer. Uh, that Rabbi Gamliel said that whoever... Uh, Whoever goes ahead and anybody who doesn't say these three things on Pesach, does not fulfill their obligation. And they are Pesach, Matzah, Mor. Those are the mitzvahs of the night. Pesach, the Korban Pesach, Matzah, the eating of the Matzah, and the Mor, and eating of the Mor. Normally, we, when we have an obligation to do a mitzvah, we don't need to know the reason for the mitzvah. That's not important. We do a mitzvah because God told us to do it. Rabbis told us to do it. We do it. And we get credit for serving God and doing, by doing the mitzvah, even if we don't know God's reason, we don't know the rabbi's reason, it's irrelevant, as long as I do it. But when it comes to the Seder, you have to know why you're doing it. You have to know why we're eating the Korban Pesach. You have to know why we're eating matzah. And you have to know why we're eating matzah. Because that's part of the experience of learning and deepening the lessons of the mitzvah of Sipa Yusias Mitzrayim. So we have this distinction, this very, very important distinction of the mitzvah of zechira, of remembering every day, versus the mitzvah at the night of the Seder of sipur, of retelling. And that is a Torah obligation, by the way. It's a Torah obligation of sipur yitzias mitzrayim. Rav Chaim says, to highlight these points, the Haggadah first brought down in the beginning the source for the mitzvah of remembering Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And then it brings in the four sons about telling our four sons, followed by the source for the mitzvah Sipo Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. To highlight to us, see that there are two different obligations. There's a mitzvah of Zechir every day, and then there's a mitzvah of Sipor. One time a year, Babur Zeh, only when there is Matzah Marav Menachem Lefanecha. What's the difference? We have to ask ourselves the night of the Seder. What's the difference between what we do every day and the night of the Seder? Why in the night of the Seder do we have this additional obligation? Even though I may have said Mariv and I said, uh, 
that I am God who took you out of Mitzrayim, even though I said that when I David Marib, I still have not fulfilled this additional obligation of seeking Yitzhak Mitzrayim. We have to ask ourselves, what is this additional obligation? And Rav Chaim says it's exactly these three points. And you see it in the Haggadah. Because we start with the questions. That's number one. Number two, we right after, we're going to go into the whole story from the very beginning. Our forefathers were idol worshippers. That's right? So that's the obligation that we have over there. And then we're going to talk about Rabbi Gamaliel. We're going to give the t- reasons. So you see that that is the difference with Sisyphus Mitzrayim and the mitzvah of Zecher, of just remembering every day of the year. So that's what Rabbi Chaim says. Comes along Rabbi Soloveitcher. And he says there's a fourth difference also. There's another requirement in Sisyphus Mitzrayim. And this is a, a mitzvah that carries with it a, a lot of meaning and significance and sets almost the tone for the whole Seder. And that's the mitzvah of Hallel. Says Rav Soloveitchik that we find, and he quotes numerous sources, that Hallel is part of the mitzvah of Sipo Yitzias Mitzrayim, of retelling Egypt, the story of Egypt. Even though Hallel is about giving praise and thanks to God, that's what Hallel is. And it's not really retelling the story because we've already retold the story. But the culmination, the climax of the Sipur has to lead us to a Hallel, to a giving of thanks and praise to the Rabboni Shaloma. And says Rev Soloveitchik, that we have to add to this, that that it includes the idea of giving halal, giving thanks and halal to HaKadosh Baruch He brings one source as a proof, brings a number of sources, but I'll just share one. Um, it's a Ran in the Mesechus Begillah that says that according to Rabbi Lozim and Isaiah, who says that the Korban Pesach has to be eaten by chatzos, by the middle of the night. So, so he says, so too Hallel has to be finished by the middle of the night. Now, why would Hallel have to be finished in the middle of the night? Because he says that Hallel is included in the mitzvah of Sipu Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, and Sipu Yitzhiz Mitzrayim is connected with the carbon Pesach, because we, as we said, while we have the mitzvahs of the carbon Pesach, in front of us, that's when we have the mitzvah Sipur Yitzias Mitzrayim. And if Hallel is part of the Sipur Yitzias Mitzrayim, then it has to be said before Chatzos as well. And so you see, he says that. Hallel, it was considered part of Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. You see it from the Rambam, the language of the Rambam. He brings down the language of the Rambam, and who, who says, it is Sefer HaMitzvos, Kol Mishi Yosef B'mama V'yarech Advarim V'hagdolas Mashosu Lona HaMitzrim Me'ovel V'chomos. Anybody that speaks more about what, what the Mitzrim did to us and how HaKadosh Baruch Hu took revenge against them, 
and to give thanks to Hashem, and uh, with all the good that he gives us, Yosertho. So we see that he talks about Lahodos, and there are other sources, but the point being that Halel is part of the Sipri Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Now, if Halel is part of the Sipri Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, we have to understand Halel at the Seder because there's an interesting question, or two interesting questions, a number of interesting questions that come up regarding Halel at the Seder. First, a question that many commentaries ask. Shlomo Zalman Arbach asks it specifically about the Halel at the Seder. And he says, you know, there's a Gemara in Erechin that talks about when we say Halel. And the Gemara says that we don't say Halel on Purim. And the Gemara questions, why don't we say Halel on Purim? So in one answer, the Gemara says, or which actually Rava who said, the reason why we don't say Halel on Purim and the reason why we say it on Pesach, because that's the distinction that Rava is making. Why do we say Halel on Pesach? Well, we don't say it on Purim. So Rava's answer is that when it comes to Pesach, we say Halel because in our praise in Halel, we say, Hallelujah, Abde Hashem. Abde Hashem, you servants of God, praise God. And we infer from that, lo abde aparo, we're only servants of God and not servants of paro. That's why we say halel on Pesach. But when it comes to Purim, what are you going to say? That we thank God, we're praising God that we are servants of God, but not servants of Achashverosh? How do we say that with tremendous conviction? Akati abde Achashverosh we're still servants of Achashverosh. Now, what did Rava mean by we're still servants of Achashverosh? He was talking about his time. That how do we go ahead and say Hallel on Purim, thanking God that we're Abde Hashem, servants of God only, and not servants of Achashverosh, but we're still servants. What does that mean? We're still in servitude, in a sense, we have oppressive regime, regimes over the Jewish people. We are beholding to other governments. We have lived through times of suffering, persecution, subordination, repression. We lived through most of our time in exile where there was some form of repression, oppression against the Jewish people. So. It may not be Achashverosh, but it might be another king, another ruler with a different name. What's the difference? How do we go ahead and sing our praise? Avdei Hashem, we're servants of God. And what does that mean? We're not servants of anyone else? We're so constantly in, in a sense of being beholding to someone else, to a higher form, to a higher government. So how do we come along and celebrate how could we go ahead and say Halel on Purim when we have still some form of servitude over us and we can't be fully Abde Hashem? That's what the Gemara says. Ask Shlomo Zalman, Arbach, and others, many other commentaries ask the same question about Pesach. One second, it's true. 
we left Egypt. And if HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't take us out of Egypt, we would still be slaves. So God took us out of Egypt. But we could still ask the same thing. Akati Avde was still servants to other people, to other regimes, to other governors. Why can't we say the same thing about Pesach? That's what Shlomo Zalman's question, and others ask the same question. How are we coming along and celebrating a freedom on Pesach when we don't really have freedom? We don't have freedom. Even to this day, we don't have true freedom. Take a look at what's going on in the world today. There are Jews who live in Ukraine. Do they have true freedom right now? What kind of Pesach are they going to be celebrating? Jews in Russia, with all the changes that are taking place. What about all the years that Jews weren't allowed to practice their religion in Russia? What about during the Holocaust? Well, during very difficult times, Jews weren't allowed to celebrate Pesach. Inquisition, during the time of the Inquisition, and other periods. How do we come along and celebrate Pesach and say, Hallelujah, Hashem, give praise, servants of God, because you're not servants of anyone else, when we are, in fact, on some level, servants. This is a question that has asked that many, many rabbis have asked. Shlomo Zalman Arbach gives an answer, and it's a very profound answer. In our davening at Maruv, we say an interesting verse. That God took us out, took his nation Israel out mitocham from their midst, referring to Mitzrayim, olam for a eternal freedom, to be forever free. Now that term of forever free, when you think about it, is an amazing term. It means forever. There's a certain freedom that the Jewish people gained in Yitzhak Mitzrayim that can never be taken away from them. What exactly is that freedom? And how is that freedom manifest even in the most trying and difficult of times? So says Shlomo Zalman Arbach that when the Jewish people were in Egypt, they really had a slave mentality. And what's a slave mentality? A slave mentality is where a person loses any sense that being free is better than being a slave. And that being a slave is more reassuring and comforting to them than being free. Now, this goes back to what was what is what's described as the Stockholm syndrome. He doesn't talk about the social Islam, but I'm making my own. Uh, comparison over here, uh, but they found in Stockholm, Sweden, uh, where people, three men, three women and a man were hostage, taken hostage for 131 hours, a very, very long time. And after they rescue, rescued, the hostages showed um, that they had a certain sense of gratitude towards their captors and even tried to protect them in some way. And, and psychologists were astounded by this. And it turns out this is a very deep psychological idea that if you are in a situation of oppression for long enough and your captors show you in some ways, some compassion, some um, mercy, you all of a sudden feel like they are the greatest people in the world for, to you. 
they're the ones that really you are beholding to. And you see yourself safer in that environment going out into the world. Jews in, in Egypt had that kind of mentality, he says. They lost any sense of personal freedom, any sense of this is not a good situation. We shouldn't be in this situation. We would be much be better off as free people. I'm going to read you the language of Rishlomo Zam because it's so profound. He says, when the Jewish people left Egypt, numerous times when things um, became difficult, what happened? They wanted to go back. How could they want to go back? Just because things get a little difficult, they want to go back? He says, it's a pella. It's a wonderment that that should be, in fact, the case, that they want to go back to Egypt. What's the answer? Is it, according to him, he says, Shekavar Hoya Tavua Bidam Liosef. It was already ingrained in their blood to be a slave. Ube'emes, he says, and in truth, that condition, that a person is happy, Leos to be a slave, is the worst state that a human being could be in. That is the worst kind of servitude and shiftless of being low that a person could have. That sense. Kozman, as long as a person is mitzta'er, is upset that they've lost their freedom, that's chayus, that's freedom. It means that they have a sense of self. They have a, a sense of that they should be um, able to live their lives uh, free and to make their own decisions and take responsibility for themselves take ownership of their life and not give their life to someone else's ownership. And if a person is being deprived of that freedom, to be upset about it is a healthy sign of cheres, of freedom. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu took the Klai Yisrael out of Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim he trans, they were transformed. It was a process. It took many years. It took Kabbalah Satorah, it took the miracles of what took place in the wilderness. It was a process of extricating them from that deep mentality and feeling that, yes, we want to be slaves, to get them to a place where we are exalted. We are at Selim Elokim. We are divinely inspired human beings that could reach exalted heights and, take, and accomplish tremendous things if we were just given the freedom and the opportunity to take responsibility of our lives and to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the ways that we choose. That was a transformative moment that no one can take away from a Jew forever. And even when the Jewish people lived in the most oppressive societies, they always had a spirit. They always had a sense of almost defiance of trying to observe their Judaism in any way they could. Because that spirit of freedom of exaltedness, of greatness, was given over to the Jewish people when they came out of Mitzrayim. That's the Cheirus That's one aspect of it. There's another part to this Cheirus, to this freedom of Sipur Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Because he asks another question, Rav Shlomo Zaman. How is it that we could say Hallel in the evening? 
how is it that we could divide our challah to say two paragraphs before we eat and the rest of the paragraphs after we eat? How is it that we could say challah without a bracha? It's very different than the regular challah that we say. So how is it that we could go ahead and say challah at the Seder at night, in the evening? How is it? How could you do that? Says Rav Shlomo Zalman. And you know how, why? Because our halal that we say at the Seder is not just the halal that we say in our davening. This is a halal that's described as sheer song. It's a shira. It's a birchas hashir. That's what it's called in the Mishnah of Sachem. Birchas hashir, our halal is a song. Now what is unique about Hallel as a song. So the Shimshin Pincus comes along and says, you know why Hallel is a sheer? Because song is from the heart. A song is an emotion that's heartfelt. And that when a person experiences a moment of where they appreciate God's mercy and kindness that was directed upon them. When a person has an opportunity to behold how God miraculously saved them from a life-threatening situation, they are overwhelmed by emotion. We may have all felt this emotion at some time in our life, a very unique, special moment. Sometimes we could feel it at the birth of a child. We're all of a sudden we feel, we're overwhelmed with gratitude to the Rabbonish Loam that we were blessed to have a healthy child. Sometimes we could have it at a very uh, moving occasion of perhaps a marriage of a child. Or maybe if we never went to Eretz Yisrael, to all of a sudden be given the privilege of going to Eretz Yisrael and going to the Kotel. There are moments in our life that we are overwhelmed by just positive, happy, joyous emotion. And if we could, we would break out in a song, a song of thanks to the Rabboni Shalova. He says, that's Shira. When Kalal Yisrael and Jewish people were at Yamsuf and they experienced the miraculous splitting of the sea, drowning of the Egyptians and the saving of the Jewish people, Oz Yashir Moshe and Israel, then they broke out into a song. Because a song is a dramatic expression of the positive emotion of gratitude that a person feels after a very moving experience. And so at the Seder, our Hallel is not just a recitation of thanks. It's rather a, a, a full expression of the emotion that we, I guess, feel if we are moved by all of our discussions about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And that's really what we're striving to accomplish. This Hallel is a sheer. We're trying to get emotionally inspired at the Seder. And that's part of the mitzvah Sipu Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And I'm going to give you one other, when one last uh, beautiful inference that, again, Rav Soloveitchik makes in the Haggadah. And this is brought down in the Sefer Harei Kedah on his, on his pieces of, on the Haggadah. We say in the Avonu Hayinu 
that call Hamarbel Sapir beat Sias Mitzrayim. Anybody that increases to to retell the story of Beitzias Mitzrayim and his emphasis is on that uh, prefix that Beitz Beitzias Mitzrayim because that's really not the most um, grammatically correct prefix. Really, he says it should say Lesaper S Sipur Yitzhiyazrayim. One who adds to to speak about S the this story of Yitzhiyaz Mitzrayim. Or Al or about to speak about Yitzhiyaz Mitzrayim. The B, the prefix B means in Yitzhiyaz Mitzrayim. Anybody, it's a mitzvah upon us, Lesaper in the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Now, what does that mean, to speak about in the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? So he says, the, the subtle, the subtle point of the Haggadah is to tell us as follows, that the tzura, the form of our retelling the story of Mitzrayim, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, has to be in a way that a person goes in to that experience of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim with his entire energy and focus to get into the very depth of every nuance of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. It's a mitzvah to talk about all the details. With all of the feeling that comes along with that. Kiday, at Kiday, till you can get to the point of Yeres Atzmo, that he sees himself as though he came out of Egypt. When you get to that point of being able to see yourself as though you came out of Egypt, that all those experiences really were about God watching you and saving you and bringing you to the place where you are today, right? Then you break out in a sheer. But you get to that. By being the Sapir in the story, getting into the story, applying yourself, not looking at it as a childish, you know, uh, experience or you know just a lot of you know uh, trivial rituals. God forbid. It's about everything that we do at the Seder is to arouse, to evoke, to inspire through the questions, through the answers, through the whole recollection of the beginning to the end, through the looking at the Tameha Mitzvahs, it's all supposed to lead to that Halel, that place of Shira, of singing, where we, we're feeling, we're margish, we have that tremendous feeling of gratitude and praise to the Rav Shalom for everything that he's given us. That's the Mitzvah of Sipu Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. That's the message that the Haggadah gives us right from the beginning. Don't get mixed up by thinking that this is a Mitzvah of Zecher Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Now, this is a mitzvah just to remember what happened. No, this is a mitzvah of Sipur B'Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim in the whole story and events of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And to know it, to feel it, to be inspired by it, to the point of bringing shira, singing songs to the Rebbe Shalom that come from the heart. Halavai, this is a very, very lofty, ambitious goal that the mitzvah sets for all of us. But if we could just raise our sense of inspiration of our feeling just even a little bit. We will have fulfilled the mitzvah
on a greater level and it will make a everlasting impression upon us and bring us ever closer to the Rebam Shal. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 